Raider great Lincoln Kennedy breaks down why the Raiders won last week and what they'll need to do this week to get another W with Q on Unnecessary Roughness. Wow, that's fancy right there. What you know about that? That's fancy. Hey, where did we get that? Whose budget did that come out of right there? Wow, welcome into Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920, hour number three, and Lincoln Kennedy joins us on the phone lines. Lincoln, how about that intro right there? Damn, the check's in the mail, man. I'm going I'm <laughs> to deposit it today, and, and, and so send me your Zelle account. We'll be able to get it going. <laughs> hey, man, we'll just meet at the Angry Crab. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> I'll, I'll get some of that good, uh, those, that good grits that you have over there, that oh, shrimp and grits. shrimp and grits, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> man, I'm getting hungry right now thinking about it, but uh, let's, get, let's get focused here. Again, Lincoln Kennedy joins us here as he does each and every Tuesday and Thursday. And Lincoln, all you ask for each and every week is, I just want to see a W. Well, Sunday, you saw a W. What, what stood out to you the most by what the Raiders were able to do? TDs rather than threes. Touchdowns rather than field goals. That's what stood out. You know, finally, you know, we've, we've been seeing the potential out of this team. To, to jump on people. And, and I mean, look, the game was pretty close to the, to the fourth quarter, but mm-hmm. still it was the touchdowns that made the difference. And like I told my partner, Jason Horowitz, if some of those touchdowns had become threes, it might have been a different, different outcome because it might not have had as much pressure on the Texans to do something that they weren't uh, used to, and that's trying to open up and air things out. So um, what stood to me is just, it stood out to me, Q, is, is that, that we finally saw a game with four quarters of consistent football. And I don't think we've seen it this year at all until that point. No, I don't think so either. You're right about that. And you know, the, the defense wasn't having a great day until the fourth quarter, and then they made some timely stops. And obviously, Deron Harmon came up with the big interception that really sealed the deal. But 21 nothing was the score in the fourth quarter for the Raiders. Is that encouraging to see that kind of finish? Like, they know they have to close out a game. They were able to come together and close it out like that. Yes, it is. What's what's even more encouraging is the fact that they do have balance on offense. We saw Josh Jacobs have another explosive game, but we also saw Derek Carr make some timely throws and get some critical first downs to keep the drives going. So, uh, you know that that's important and that's impressive going forward because over the next you know three three four weeks, however you want to look at it, I think the the Raiders are capable of winning these football games. That will put them back in contention to probably try to challenge for this division. Talking right now with Lincoln Kennedy here on Raider Nation Radio nine twenty unnecessary roughness. The style of offense that you've seen, Josh Jacobs the last three games has been a monster, but he's been playing well all season long. You've pointed that out multiple times. Is that sustainable, and can the Raiders build off of that as far as the passing game goes as well? Yes, as long as they continue to, to push, push it, press it, and do better and execute it at and in game speed, I think they can. I, mean, I really do. Look, I love the fact they can run between the tackles. They had a little bit of a change up when they were pulling the tackles uh, out on the perimeter to get it on the outside. That's a good sign as well. If they can continue to do that, they have an inside-outside running game along with the effective passing game. They've got a balanced attack that keeps defenses on their toes. You can't just settle and try to contain one thing or another. Yeah, Lincoln, when it comes to this run game, we had Aaron Schatz from Football Outsiders on, and I know that people don't want to hear about the analytical talk, but just a stat that I know you could appreciate, the Raiders are only second in the league when it comes to not allowing runs to get stuffed in the backfield. Only the Eagles are better of, hey, this run's got to go somewhere with this team. That's a credit to how good the offensive line has been doing this season. When it comes to an offensive lineman, when you're just pushing, what is that confidence like in that momentum of, hey, we know that we're getting positive yards on just about every run? 
Well, I will say this. Uh, according to the analytics, the Raiders are second as far as not getting you know tackle for loss or in the backfield. But the Josh Jacobs has been forced to make a lot of cuts in the backfield. Mm-hmm. Hasn't been as clean uh, as as you would might you might like it. But to answer your question, Demont, when you're able to go out there and push people around. It doesn't matter what they do. If they want to load the box, they want to bring an extra guy. The, the most satisfying feeling for an offensive lineman, for an offense in general, especially when you're running the football, is if a running back, the first person that makes contact with a running back is a safety or a defensive back, you're doing something wrong. You're doing something well because that means you're controlling a box. You're controlling those down defensive linemen. You're controlling those linebackers, and that's what you want inside the box. And if a, if a safety is coming up to make a tackle, that's one thing. But usually they, they're not making it from five to seven yards deep in the in a in the secondary. The variations of the offensive line have been many so far this year, but it seems like they're settling in on what they have right now. Do you think this is about the best that this offensive line is going to do throughout this year? I do. I do. I, I do, Q. It's, it's probably going to be the best. And look, you've got to learn. The thing about offensive linemen, you, you know, you learn by fire. You can't make the club in the tub. You're not going to be able to pick up things, you know, checking the checkboard on the side. You've got to go out there and play. You've got to see what's in front of you. You've got to play a game speed. You've got to see what you can do versus the people that you're playing with. So, you know, that's your maturation is you go out there and you learn on the job. That's the best thing for offensive linemen to do. When it comes to coach speak, maybe Coach Mick Lombardi, the offensive coordinator, is just trying to throw us off of our game. But when it comes to, hey, who's going to be playing the right guard or the left guard spot when it comes to Dylan Parham and Alex Bars? He says, hey, it may be the matchup depending on which team and the game plan that they're making for the week. Do you agree with a philosophy like that? Or should it just be, hey, if he's doing good at left guard, let's just keep him at left guard, not depending on the scheme or the team that's coming up this week? I mean, there, there, there's not one way, one single way of getting it done. And in my experience, you just got to keep guys out there and let them play. But at the same point, you know, it might be, it might be key to change up things, uh, guards, put them at left and, and right guard. The thing about it is that if you have the ability, the versatility to do that, that's an added caveat to your game. Think about it. You know, you guys can switch positions and still be effective. Um, it's not necessarily the way I would do things, but I can't, I can't mind it if it works. Lincoln Kennedy is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. My guy Vegas Jess hit me up and asked me uh, to ask you about how you adjusted your blocking style when Rich Gannon would run. And apparently you said that you had to adjust a little bit. How did things change for you with the running quarterback? When you knew you had a running quarterback, it adjusted your angle of attack for uh, on, a, on a defensive end, for me, for a defensive end. And what I mean by that is that typically I would, uh, after three seconds, I would count three Mississippi in my head. And if I didn't see the ball progress downfield, I would shift my body weight to be more inside out closer to the line of scrimmage than deeper than the line of scrimmage. And what that would do is that would hopefully open up a lane to where Rich could go out because a guy would want to go around the, the most the most least resistant space. He would want to go out around the upside or the backside. I knew Rich would push the pocket and generally scramble within, within the pocket. And that's one thing that I got to know playing with him over time. Was that something that you just developed, like you said, over time? But was that more in practice or was that, like you said, just in game action? No, it was it was realizing the situation. I had a quarterback that once he went through his progression, wasn't afraid to use his legs. Mm-hmm. So he would push the pocket, or in the, or in the in the instant that a guy would get around me, I knew that he would come. Uh, you know, he would try to come up or, or underneath me. And if a guy was playing shallow, I knew the chances that Rich would run over the top. It's just being familiar with your quarterback and understanding his progression and his and, and how he does things. That's a great nugget right there. Definitely appreciate that. Again, we're talking with Lincoln Kennedy here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Uh, earlier today, we, me, you, and JT, we recorded the Raider Roundtable, and about 15 yeah. minutes later, Jonathan Hankins gets traded. So he's on his 
his way to the Cowboys. Uh, what does that say for the youngster Neil Farrell uh, out of LSU that uh, they found like Jonathan Hankins was the guy that they could find expendable? Well, you know what? Here's the thing. I, I've, I've thought since we acquired Jonathan Hankins that he was a little bit out of position. He wasn't a true nose guard. He wasn't. Uh, it wasn't as you know, capable as a defensive tackle, so kind of a, kind of a tweener. But he he was serviceable because he was a block eater. He was a big guy mm-hmm. that you weren't necessarily going to move around one one on one. But we've had some young talent develop in the defensive tackles uh, area, and I've talked about how impressed I was. I've been uh, about the block eaters, and they continue to progress. So uh, I think it's a good sign for the Raiders moving forward that you do have some commodity that commodities you can still develop. You mentioned how you were impressed with the young guys and what they've been doing, but do you think that this trade maybe frees up the Raiders with the trade deadline coming around that Mm -hmm. maybe they could bring in another veteran to secure up that inside defensive line? Well, I mean, they're trying to figure out who might be available, who on the trade block. But, I mean, always, if you have a space, you might as well try to use it if you can, right? Yeah, no no doubt. We were just talking about that in the last segment. Guys like Deron Payne, I hear that they're, he's available out of D.C. And they got a lot of dudes on the defensive line. They really do. Uh, but who knows? You know, the trade deadline's coming up by the first. So we'll have to see right. what Dave Ziegler and company has got cooking up, if they have anything cooking up. What did you think about Cleve Furl? Uh, Chandler Jones played 43 snaps. Furl had 41 snaps. So what did you think about that kind of uh, – that uh, – um, that split uh, as far as time goes uh, for those two guys for for what it's worth you know you i'm i'm, I'm impressed that clee farrell is still trying mm-hmm. to do his best to be a part of this team you gotta you gotta imagine a, a former one four number four pick yeah. whatever he was overall yep. mm-hmm. you know in the first round people have written him off as a bust you didn't extend the you know the contract option so he's literally playing for a contract I always thought that he would be a viable defensive tackle. You can move him inside, and he could be capable of uh, being a defensive tackle, not necessarily as a block eater, but a guy who can get upfield and get penetration to force quarterbacks off their spot. And we've seen them do that with their front four. They would have Max Crosby out there. They would have Chandler Jones and Cleveland Farrell would also be out there. So we've seen them to try to generate what I used to call, or the, one of the coaches referred to it back in the day as a NASCAR package, where you had your guys who were capable of getting up the field and get after quarterback. So with that being said, you know, Cleveland Farrell is playing well. Mm-hmm. Teams. He's trying to do everything he can within his power to show that he wants to be a part of this Raiders team. I don't know what the future holds for him. I don't know how viable it is because he's such a high pick. If you can talk him down to maybe more of a, a sustainable contract for, for what he does uh, and not overpay him, um, but that's not up to me to determine. But from what I've seen so far, I've been impressed. What does that tell you about the man himself, right? I mean, a guy that decided he's not going to pout, he's not going to complain, he's just going to go put his head down and keep on grinding. Well, I mean, it says a lot. It says a lot about the quality of the guy, but it also says to the fact that when they drafted him, the Raiders drafted him, I know it was a different regime, right. but they were talking about the fact that he was a, a guy of high character that was a leader that was in the locker room, and I kind of sense that still. And look, this team needs leaders. They need people to stand out and stand up and, and be people of their words. So I think it's impressive that way as well. Talking again with Lincoln Kennedy here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Flipping back over to the offensive side of things. The Raiders were 3-for-3 three three in the red zone. Something we talk about all the time. And you mentioned touchdowns, not field goals. Uh, can they build off of that and, and maybe even open up the passing game in the red zone as well? They can. And, and what, I, what I really appreciate in this last game is that they were aware of how their tendencies have come to be sort of their nemesis. And the one instance where Jacobs brought the, the, the last uh, TD run, 
um, there was a safety that was, there were two deep safeties. And typically you want to run against two deeps first and foremost. But the fact is, is that, you know, when Hunter Renfro went out there, they were going to bracket Hunter Renfro because they know in the past the Raiders have tried to rely on him to get those touchdowns with his routes and his route running ability. That opened up the middle of the field. So by the time the Texans realized that the Raiders were running the football, the safety was out of position. He couldn't make a play on Josh Jacobs and he scored. Those are some of the tendencies that you have to break. Now the thing is, is when they get Darren Waller back, they've got to be more crisp and concise with their route running. And we didn't see that, you know, together in, in the red zone. But the, the, to have that ability, not only to run the football, but effectively throw the football, and you've got Devontae Adams, you've got Hunter Renfro, and then you can have Darren Waller, those would be keys to the Raiders designing success, especially in the red zone. Because as the field gets condensed, you have to be more effective, not only in your play calling, but also in your execution. Final question for you, Lincoln. And I know Derek Carr is not a guy that's going to run around the yard. He's not Lamar Jackson. No one's asking him to be. But he has been stepping up in the pocket. He has been rolling out a little bit. How much more do you think that that helps him in his passing game when he is able to get a little bit mobile? It's immeasurable, honestly. I, I mean, I said it on the air this past weekend. I Look, I think Garrett, Derek Carr has all the contributes and all the abilities to be you know, considered a Hall of Famer. I know he doesn't have the wins, so I don't want everybody tweeting me and all that right, other right. crap about you know, the, the whatever. <laughs> but if Derek Carr can find a way to extend plays using his legs, the, the possibilities of this offense are endless. And if you look around the league, quarterbacks that can extend plays with their legs, quarterbacks that can move around the pocket, can, can, can wait for things to come open, and have the arm strength and the accuracy are difference makers. Mm-hmm. So I'm not asking him to be a Lamar Jackson. Right. I'm just asking him to use his legs and not be a statue in the pocket. You've got to be able to move. And once he's able to do that, we've seen good things happen. And, of course, protect yourself when you get downfield. Slide, do whatever you can. The rules are in the, the game today to protect the quarterback above, amongst everything else. So if Derek Carr decides to use his legs to extend plays and he has the capable receivers and he has the arm strength and the accuracy that he has that he's shown, oh, the sky's the limit for this offense, guys. No doubt about it. Well, we're excited to see what's up next. You know, we saw the Raiders de- 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 defeat the Texans on Sunday. Up next is the Saints, followed by the Jacksonville Jaguars on the road before they return to Allegiant Stadium to face the Colts. We'll get into uh, the Saints on Thursday. Lincoln, thanks okay. so much for your time. We appreciate you. My pleasure, guys. Have a good one. All right, there he goes. Lincoln Kennedy, the great Lincoln Kennedy, Raiders Radio Network, uh, multiple-time Pro Bowler, and thought that was a great mic drop moment right there. If Derek Carr decides to use his legs, I know a lot of Raider Nation has been pounding the table, just run, run, run. I appreciate it when he rolled out. You know, the the play design had him roll out a couple times on Sunday. I just think that that changes the game, you know, and I I know he's not going to be a guy that's going to, you know, run for 50 yards a game or 60 yards, whatever. He's not going to do that. That's fine. But, man, if you could just keep plays alive, you could just roll out just a little bit, get a little mobile, step up in the pocket like he threw that ball to Matt Collins, you know, that dime at the end of the, the first half. It just changes the game if he can do it. I know. Well, I, I shouldn't say if he could do it. We all know he can do it. If he chooses to do it is probably the best wording right there. 415 is the time. Come back. We'll get to some calls. We'll get to some texts. And coming up at 430, Jeff Cahill from Basic High School, the last recipient of the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week Award for the regular season in 2022. He'll join the show. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. <laughs> Got a bunch of good text. 69187, keyword r Mailman Raider Max, why does Big Link always sound mad at y'all, Q? LOL. He doesn't. He's not mad. That's just that's just Lincoln's demeanor. 
That's just who Lincoln is. I actually, you know what? I appreciate when he sounds like he sounded today as opposed to when we have him and he's in a restaurant trying to eat or something like that. And he's just trying to get rid of us. <laughs> so uh, I can appreciate Big Link, man. So no, he's, he's good to go. I'm not mad at that. It comes with the territory of being such a big guy. Yeah. Like if you've been Because you know. Yeah. Because you know. Yeah, yeah, of course. I'm just saying. <laughs> I just meant. That's what do we do, Q, is what us big guys do. Yeah, me and Lincoln, you side, side by side, you might have to ask who's who. No, but when you see Lincoln in person, even sometimes like in the press box, it'd be like, yeah. hey, Lincoln, uh, y'all don't want to bother you too much, man. One time, right. we were walking past each other, and he just pushed me for no reason. True story. That's what happens. That's just, that's, that's, like, little, no that's, like, that's like saying what's up to your little brother. What's up, dog? Just give you a push. That was unnecessary. Yeah, I know. Just kept walking either. Didn't even say nothing, actually. Of course, of course. I was, I think I was uh, sitting... And I never really have my back to where everyone walks behind us because it's I just don't like people behind me and I don't see them coming. Well, the one time <laughs> that I did that, who came up behind me? Big Link, right? And so all of a sudden, I'm, I think I'm right in the middle of eating something, probably right before the game started. And all of a sudden, his big hand ends up on my shoulder. And I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> like, Watch out now. Yeah, I was, I was lucky that when he did that, he was like, what's up, brother? And I recognized his voice. I was like, whew, man. Last time someone grabbed me like that and I didn't see him coming, I was in trouble. <laughs> Going to have to escort you out of here. Yeah, exactly. Didn't want that to happen. So there you go. Uh, Fargo Raider said, Q and DeMond, I'm not convinced yet. Uh, I have a glimmer of optimism. I need to see drastic improvement on the defense. We're all tired of soft coverage and leaky red zone defense. Just win, baby. That's from Fargo Raider. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Sir Whiskey Ray hit us up. Uh, I'll get to that text in a little while. Wow, that one's uh, actually a, a Kayla tweet, so we'll get to that in, in a little bit. Uh, we got a text talking about Sue, and I keep saying that I was wondering why he hasn't been signed by anyone, not necessarily the Raiders, but just anyone. And uh, the text from the 408 says, Vinny said it's all about the money. He knows Sue from L.A. days, and he won't budge. Uh, but now we freed up more money with the trade, so why not a one-year rental? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think that, and I hate to say I feel like this regime doesn't want to spend the money because we don't know. And I know someone will text in and be like, you guys don't know what this regime is going to do. So I'm not going to say that, but they haven't spent the money yet. So I'll just leave it like that. Right. Sue has obviously shown he wants to be a Raider, but I, it hasn't been, you know, I ever have that time. This is something that we'll all understand. You ever had that time when you show interest in someone, but they don't show that interest back. I've had that plenty of times. (laughs) You're guaranteed to miss a shot you don't take. So you show that interest and then you don't get it back. That's what I feel like has happened with Sue. Sue has shown the interest in the Raiders, and they're not really that interested. They're cool with being friends. They're cool with going to the movies, the matinee, not the late movie, right? <laughs> you know, hey, we'll go to the matinee so I still got some, some time to go and do something later on where you're not taking up my, my, my precious evening, if that makes sense. They, they don't really have the same interest that he has, and that's okay. So I, I just don't think that, that whatever money Sue is expecting, the Raiders or so far apparently nobody in the league – is willing to spend it. Uh, how about this text from the 707? Hey, y'all, I agree that the defense is what needs to start making more of a difference. I want the game announcer to mention some more, some other names on D in addition to Crosby, Perriman, and Harmon. The other names are rarely in the announcer's mouth. That is an issue, in my opinion. I would love to see, and that was one of the questions that I asked. I think we asked that during the bye week. You know, who needs to step up? Who's going to help out Max Crosby? We hear Max Crosby. We see Max Crosby everywhere. Getting after the run, getting after the pass. I mean, he's doing everything he can. Hell, if you ask him to go out there on special teams, he probably would, right? I mean, that's just that's in his DNA. That's just who he is. Who else is going to step up and make a difference? Like Chandler Jones was brought in to be that difference maker, regardless of how he's getting it done. I mean, I don't care. I'm not judging them based off stats, but he was brought in to be a difference maker, to be a tag team partner of Max Crosby. Problem is, 
I don't think we see him enough of being a difference maker. And if you look at what he did, as I'm looking at the official game book here, you look at the snaps that he played in on uh, on Sunday, it was not a whole lot. 43 snaps, 66% of the time. Cleve Farrell had 41 snaps. The defensive line went like this. Max Crosby played in 61 snaps defensively. That's 94%. Um, Bilal Nichols played in 46. That was 71%. Chandler Jones, 43 snaps, 66%. Cleve Farrell, 41 snaps, 63%. Kendall Vickers, 25 snaps, 38%. Andrew Billings, 20 snaps, 31%. Uh, Jonathan Hankins, who just got traded, 12 snaps, 18%. Neil Farrell Jr., 10 snaps, 15%. Malcolm Kuntz, 7 snaps, 11%. I hate to say it, kind of forget Malcolm Kuntz is out there because he hasn't been used that much, right? I mean, I know that when he gets out there and he gets an opportunity to, to make some things happen, he normally does. Haven't just haven't seen him out there enough, and I just think that maybe that's something that you're seeing in practice, or they're not seeing in practice, I should say. We don't get to be there for practice. Anyone who tells you that they, they do is wrong. <laughs> we don't. We get to be there for stretching now. That's it. Training camp was different. Now it's literally the stretching period. Not even full ten minutes, in my opinion. Maybe eight minutes. Take a few pictures, snap a couple videos, and boom, we're gone. So we don't really get to see the practice like we saw in training camp. But I'm assuming that guys that aren't getting the burn right now just aren't getting it done in practice. One thing I will say about Chandler Jones going back to Sunday's game when he got that half sack, I think I might have been more happy for him than he was about it himself. Because it's just, hey, man, that's a step in the right direction at least. And we're talking about this run and players that they, who do we expect to see up? Mm-hmm. Hey, man, you know, sometimes when it comes to making a basket, it just takes one. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Sometimes you just need to see the ball go through the hoop. Mm-hmm. Something that you rarely see. But um. <laughs> <laughs> I was supposed to go play basketball yesterday. I, I bet you were supposed to. Yeah. There's a lot of times just, you were supposed to like, do nah, a lot I'm of good. things. I was like, no, nah, I'm good. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I bet you did. Uh, mailman Raider hit us up. Q, did you see the Broncos may trade uh, Chubb if they lose to the Jags? I did see that. Uh, Mike Florio was reporting that first, and then I saw uh, Dove Kleiman. Who, like, who is Dove Kleiman, by the way? No clue, but yeah, he's always active. He's always tweeting. He retweets me a lot of times. I don't know who he is. I've never seen him, never heard of him. Or an, I've heard of him, but I've never heard of him like on an interview. If you if you Google Dove Kleiman interview, there won't be one. I don't even know if he's a real dude. Oh, you've already done it? Oh, yeah. Okay. Because I'm interested. I'm, I'm like legitimately interested in who he is. Because he's got a bazillion followers on Twitter. He always puts out information. Usually it's a retweet, which is fine. But he always is putting some information out. And like I said, sometimes when uh, I tweet something about the Raiders, he'll retweet it. So I, I don't know who he is, but he retweeted Mike Florio talking about Bradley Chubb from the Broncos uh, going to get traded if he uh, if they lose to the Jaguars. And man, you want to talk about an idea and a and a plan that went south real quick, fast, and hurry, right? I don't mean to bag on other teams because the Raiders have their own issues and they've only won two games. But man, how high was everybody on the Broncos? How high was everybody on the Broncos going into this year? And I know we were very high on the Raiders, and I know a lot of folks nationally were high on the Raiders as well, and they haven't performed. But, man, it just seems like the, the Broncos' plan has has gone south real fast to the point where I'm hearing folks in Denver saying that there's a good chance Nathaniel Hackett could get fired, right? And, like, Benjamin Albright, who covers the Broncos really well, he's been saying all along that, no, he won't get fired after you know before the year is up, probably won't get fired immediately after the year, and I never pound the table for anyone to get fired. I mean, jobs are too hard to get. I'm not trying to pound the table for anyone to get fired. But now he's talking about, hey, if things go bad against the Jags, wouldn't be surprised if Hackett gets fired. Like, that's how quickly things have escalated in Denver. 
I want the Jags to win this game so bad. Oh, man. No, not because— Are you trying to get a man fired? I just want to see, would they actually do it? Like you mentioned Chubb. Could you imagine going into the game? Hey, man, if we lose, <laughs> I'm out of here. Right. Just, I, I'm going to need for you to step it up, and I'm going to need for you to step it up. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know, man. I don't know if that—I don't know if that's that's realistic. And I know, for one, they'll never trade him to the Raiders. You know, there's just no chance because he's in the division. There'd be no way that they trade him. I guess if they gave if the Raiders gave up enough, but they're not going to do that. There's just very rarely do you see a trade like that happen within the division. So I guess I could I shouldn't say never, but I just don't see the Broncos and the Raiders coming together on a trade idea with the with uh, Bradley Chubb, especially since the Raiders still have to play the Broncos again later this season. Just don't see that happening. But I guess stranger things have happened. So the starting offer would be Max Crosby. Oh well, no, I yeah. mean that, that's that'd yeah, be the starting yeah. ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, hey. We'll send you him, but you got to send us Max. Oh, yeah. Okay. And a first. <laughs> right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> we'll talk later, brother. <laughs> like never. The, the, the 29th of Neverwary, right? Never going to talk to you. No chance that that's going to happen. I guess the 30th of Neverwary. But either way you look at it, that's not going to happen. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see. I'm one interested to see, and we'll talk tomorrow about trades. You know, let's do it. Since the trade deadline is November 1st, let's talk about it. You know, let's let's spend some time with it on tomorrow's show. You know, is there potential trades that could be out there that would be intriguing for the silver and black? Obviously, they traded Jonathan Hankins. We've heard other names out there before uh, as potential guys that could be traded. But is there someone out there that the Raiders would be interested in? We'll, uh, we'll, like I said, we'll do a deep dive. We'll try to get some folks on that uh, have a little insider knowledge and, and what they're hearing around the league uh, as the trade deadline gets closer and closer uh, to coming up. Again, on November 1st is when the trade deadline is. 4.30 is the time. When we come back, we're going to talk to the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week Award winner, Jeff Cahill from Basic High School. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. It's time for Q's weekly interview with the Tom Flores High School Coach of the Week here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And joining us now on the phone line is the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week Award recipient. As a matter of fact, he is the last one for the regular season. It's Coach Jeff Cahill from Basic High School. And Coach, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. Your team, you picked up the win over Clark in the regular season finale. How big of a win was that for your team to close out the regular season the way you were able to? Uh, it was a huge win for us. You know, we, we uh, were fighting to try to get that number two seed and get a bye and, and also be able to have a home playoff game. So uh, we uh, were able to accomplish a lot of goals in that game. Yeah. I mean, how special is that for your team when they know that they're earning a playoff appearance? I mean, playoffs are special, but just when they know that they've earned a spot, how, how special is that for them? Yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a really fun night. It was senior night for us. So it was a special night all the way around. And, uh, you know, being able to get that bye week and heal up a little bit before the playoffs start was, uh, was a big thing for us. You know, you mentioned it being senior night. And, you know, the difference is on different levels, you know, guys are there for a certain amount of time and then they go on to wherever they're going to go. But in high school, you're there through your senior years. So for you as the head coach, how special is that for you to, you know, see your players through senior night? Oh, yeah, that's the best, man. The, the best thing is uh, seeing them on senior night walk through with their with their loved ones and uh, and just remembering how far they've come as people, you know, as football players, but also as, as young men. So uh, that's what, that's one of my favorite nights. Talking right now with Coach Jeff Cahill from Basic High School here on Raider Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. So going back to the game, what changed for your team in the second half? Your defense pitched a shutout. That, that's pretty impressive, and especially in high school football. Yeah, you know, um, we were making a ton of mistakes in the first half. So we were uh, – we had six turnovers in the first half, and um, one of them was a 70-yard scoop and score for the other squad. So, 
uh, you know, we, we didn't have any turnovers in the second half, and I think that made the difference. What does this say about your team when you can have that many turnovers in the first half? I mean, you, most times you can't have that many turnovers in a game and come out with the victory. You did that in the first half. Yeah, I mean, our defense is solid, and that's the, uh, that's the best part of our team this year. And uh, those guys fly around. We got a couple of guys that just dominate in there. And, um, you know, they get their backs against the wall, but they, all, they come through more times than not. So they really, uh, the defense really kept us in the game in that first half. How would you just kind of looking back at the regular season, obviously your work's not done, but just looking back at the regular season for the Wolves, which you guys were able to do as a unit, uh, how would you summarize the, the regular season? I think it was a successful season. You know, we uh, lost a couple games. We ended up 8-2, and two, but the two we lost were big ones for us. So, um, you know, but overall, I thought it was a very successful season. Talking right now with Coach Jeff Cahill from Basic High School here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Now, again, like you mentioned, the bye week, you're going to have an opportunity to kind of, uh, you know, heal up a little bit, get prepared for the playoffs. But, you know, during your practices, how, how important is it just to have business as usual and not change anything because it's playoff time? Oh yeah, it's very important. You know, we we want to uh, we want to at this part of the season. It's exciting with playoffs, but it's also been a long year. So we got to kind of you know have walk that fine line between uh, having some fun out there and, and getting done what we need to get done. Is this a time of year where you kind of lean on your senior leadership and your upperclassmen that you know are, are big time players on your team just to kind of keep the younger guys a little bit settled and, and relaxed and understand that it's just another football game? Yeah, that's uh, that's one of the big the big. Uh, things that you got to do with high school kids is, is uh, calm them down a little bit. Some of them, you know, tend to get a little uh, bright eyed and with the bright lights <laughs> and the bigger the games get. But uh, yeah, so the senior leadership is very important to, to try and uh, get those kids ready. Talking right now with Coach Jeff K. Hill from Basic High School. He's the recipient of the Tom Flores Coach of the Week Award. And Coach, what does that mean to you? I mean, I know it's a team thing. It's a program thing. But just to know that you have your name on, on that award with that the Hall of Fame coach, what does that mean for you? It means a lot, man. I'm a big-time Raider fan. So I love Tom Flores when I was growing up. And uh, I, I just appreciate everything the Raiders do for all of us out here in high school football. Yeah, what does it mean for, for you to see them, you know, not only play in, in your community that you live in and you coach in, but also they contribute? Like you mentioned with high school football, they have the high school football wall inside Allegiant Stadium. They're just really active in the community. How, how big is that? Yeah, I think it's huge, man. I think the support is uh, awesome and uh, that, that they go out of their way to, uh, you know, we had a passing league tournament in their practice facility over the summer. We had a coaches meeting out, out here in Allegiant Stadium just uh, the other day. So I think it uh, it means a lot to uh, us coaches and, and the kids as well. When you have that passing league at their uh, at their practice facility and the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center is awesome. I uh, get to go there all the time. Really a, a blessing. But what does that mean for your players? Like how how excited does your team get when they're able to go there and they're in a professional practice building? Yeah, that was a that was a special day. I think there was about eight of us that eight teams that went there and the Raiders bust us all there and bust us all back. So it was kind of cool, you know, for passing league and being uh, the kid. The kids were all very excited. And, and that was a first class uh, tournament for sure. They did a great job. Coach Jeff Cahill is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. And uh, you mentioned being a big time Raider fan. What did you think of the victory on Sunday over uh, over the Houston Texans? Hey, I loved it, man. We got to get back on that winning track. And uh, <laughs> 
you know, we're getting there. We're, we were close before, so I'd love to see that. Man. Do you ever have those kind of moments when, when you're coaching that, you know, your team is so close, so close, like the Raiders have been in multiple games but just weren't able to seal the deal and just kind of have to convince your team just, hey, stay the course, stay the course. We're almost where we need to be. Oh, yeah. You know, I've been to, I've been the head coach over here at Basic since 08, so I've seen everything, man. And, <laughs> There's some times where you just think you're snake bitten, and no matter what you do, you, you can't get over that hump. But you just got to keep your head down, keep working hard, and eventually things will start going your way. Are you ever able to use what you see on maybe Sundays or Mondays or maybe even in the college game, kind of use that in your coaching philosophy with your players? There's things that you can pick up. Uh, I would say for high school football, it's probably more of the college game that you see on a, on a Saturday morning or mm-hmm. something that – that you think you can implement into your strategy and into your game plan. And uh, so, yeah, we're always looking for new new and exciting ways to move the ball. You know, I get really excited uh, to talk to coaches each and every week. Uh, I think high school football coaches do a heck of a job, not only on the field, but also, you know, just kind of helping raise our, our, our kids and our communities. And, and, you know, I think it's bigger than just wins and losses. For you, what does it mean to be a high school football coach? Oh, man, it means a lot. You know, you, you, put, a, you put a lot into it, and it's a lot of time and stuff, but – you know, it's it's just so nice, like I said, seeing these kids grow up from, you know, 14-year-old kids to 18-year-old men and uh, hoping that uh, you've had a little bit of an impact on their life and uh, what they're going to do in the future. Is it, ever be a, is it ever a little special for you when they when they come back and, and watch a game on a Friday night and you're like, hey, man, I coached that guy back in whenever, you know, <laughs> just a few years back? Oh, yeah, for sure, man. We had a homecoming just a couple weeks ago and we had a bunch of kids back and come down after the game and say hi and stuff. It's just great to see everybody when they come by. That's awesome. I mean, it's it's always a lot of fun. I love being on sidelines of high school football and just being able to see all the interaction and the pageantry and just what it means to the community. So, Coach, before I let you go, I, I, I know it is, you know, like I said, the, the playoff time. Uh, you got that that bye. You're, you're, you're able to kind of uh, heal a little bit. What is most important for you uh, in this time that you're off? What is the most important thing for your team as you prepare for your playoff run? Uh, I think, you know, during a bye week, it's the most important and most challenging is to keep them mentally focused. You know, they know they don't have a game coming up that Friday, so they can tend to wander off a little bit mentally. So we just got to keep them locked in and and, uh, doing the things that we need to do to prepare for that playoff game next week. Nothing like trying to keep some uh, some some high schoolers focused, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck. It's it's it's. I guess it's the gift and the curse. Like they have such a short memory where a, a bad loss or a tough loss, they don't think about it long. But then at the same time, there's other things they don't think about long either. So it's kind of you know it's kind of exactly. back and forth. <laughs> So good stuff. Well, coach, uh, congratulations again on the big victory, uh, earning that by getting a little bit of time to heal as you prepare for your playoff run. Uh, congratulations on being the Tom Flores high school football coach of the week award recipient and, uh, good luck on your playoff run. We'll definitely be paying attention to how you guys are doing. All right, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for everything. Jeff Cahill right there, coach of basic high school, joining us to talk about uh, his victory, his team's victory over Clark, how now they have a bye week. And that's really good to get healed up as they go on their playoff run. What a season. And uh, you're down early in the game, and then all of a sudden you pitch a shutout. You know, you have six turnovers and you win a game. It's pretty impressive because you win, you, you turn the ball over six times. I'll tell you, 99% of the time you lost that game. But uh, basic was able to come away with the victory. So uh, big ups to Coach Cahill and his, uh, his staff and his team for the victory and also being the recipient of the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week Award. And that's the last one.
for the regular season. And uh, the winner of the Coach of the Year Award will be announced soon. I believe November 7th. If not November 7th, it's that first week in November. It will be announced. And, of course, we'll announce it right here on Raider Nation Radio 920. 444 is the time. We'll come back. We'll close out the show. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920, here's your boy Q. My guy Jordan Schultz, Schultz Report on Twitter, put out teams are calling the Patriots about wide receiver Nelson Aguilar. Uh, Sources tell the score. Still just 29 years old, the former first-round pick, signed a two-year, $26 million deal with New England in 2021. It expires after the season. Aguilar has 30 career receiving touchdowns, and I think there's no doubt about it, his best year ever that he's played in his career was with the Raiders. Don't think the Raiders need wide receiver help, but just throwing it out there because my guy Jordan put it out there as well. A couple quick texts real quick. Raider Richie from Arizona, 69187. Keyword R&R. Hey, Q and DeMond seems like Chandler left his sacking ability in Chandler, Arizona. Hope he steps it up for the next uh, these next easy games. Anyway, good game tonight. Warriors at Suns. Go Raiders. Raider Richie from Arizona. That's right. I believe the Suns are, what, one and a half point favorites in tonight's game. Uh, should be a good one. That's going to be a good one every time they square up. The Warriors and Suns. Looking forward to that. Um, believe me, uh, I want the Warriors to win Really badly, of course. Want the Warriors to win every time they get out there. But uh, I know early in the season, usually they don't play strong defense. So it would not shock me at all to see the Suns come away at that victory tonight. But that should be a good one to watch. Uh, also, you got that? Yeah, Suns are favored two and a half points, actually. Oh, two and a half. There you go. Well, I was close. Uh, also got one uh, more text from Vegas Pete. Clee Missile played really well Sunday. Also, Martinez and Perryman. Tackling was better. I love the 21-point explosion in the fourth on TV. It sounded really loud, and it was really loud. Vegas Pete, thanks for that text. Uh, again, thank you so much for coming by Buffalo Wild Wings on uh, Friday and actually getting to meet you in person. That was cool. And you know what? Blake Martinez is a guy that we haven't really talked about, but he was out there, and he was uh, a tackling machine early in the game for the Raiders. He was the guy that was needed out there, and Denzel Perryman continues to be a tackling machine. Uh, and, you know, Lincoln always talks about those spacey when they're able to do that, you know, eat up the space, then the linebackers are a lot cleaner and they have an opportunity to go out there and make the tackle. And that's what they were doing uh, early in the game. And so Martinez was a, a welcome sight out there. That's a good observation, Vegas Pete. Definitely appreciate that. Now, as we close out the show, every once in a while we do this because I am not a movie guy. I have a list of movies that I want to go see, but I haven't gone and seen. And it's so funny. Every time me and the wife have an opportunity to go see a movie, I always say, well, what do you want to see? And we can never think of it. I don't know why, because in my mind, I have a bunch of movies that I want to go see, and it just it just never happens. But DeMond, on the other hand, goes and sees like every damn movie. Every single movie that comes out, DeMond's like, oh, I'm there. Like, he just goes and checks it out, which is great. That's cool. You know, it's probably something I should try to do every once in a while, like relax and get away from work, but I just don't know how to do that. But DeMond does. So he saw a movie over the weekend. Was it over the weekend that you saw this movie? Sunday night. Sunday night. He saw a movie on Sunday night. He saw Black Adam. And I'll go ahead and throw it out there right now. I've been told that that movie's terrible. Like the reviews I've seen (laughs) say it's terrible. And I went back and told the wife, I don't think it's very good. I heard it's not very good. But I saw your tweet and it looked like it was pretty good. So I don't want to influence the audience. I don't want to influence you. You give us your true assessment of Black Adam. All right, Q, before I even go there, let's talk about those reviews. As I was leaving the movie, me and another stranger, me and a bruh, it was just one of those. (laughs) We were talking about the reviews like that was great, right? And he said we were talking about IGN and they rated it a five out of ten. Right. It was like, man. So you saw the reviews, too. So it wasn't just me. Okay, so it wasn't just me. Man, and guess what? What? They lied. Okay. 
They were lying. Okay. Mar- Marvel's got people warped on what a superhero movie needs to be. The Rock said that this was going to change the landscape and the face of the DCEU and all that good stuff. Okay. I'm not saying it did all that. Okay. But I am saying The Rock don't miss. Okay. Man, cue this movie had it all. Or people want the the storyline. Here's the problem with the DC universe. They are behind on the Marvel universe where they have all these years. Mm-hmm. So they do have to try to jam pack a lot of story that maybe it would be better if, if in this first or two movies The Rock didn't do all of the things that he did as Black Adam. But for a little bit over two hours, you know, it wasn't that long of a movie. Okay. They got the job done, man. Okay. Black Adam, I'll, here's my review. I'll give a quick little yeah, synopsis just, of the just movie. Go, yeah, break it on down, man. I want to I wanna know why I need to go see Black Adam instead of uh, Black Jerome or, right, or White Chris. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the comic queue, he is a white guy, so I mean it just Or happened. Brown Miguel. So we have this, <laughs> we got this little fictional Middle Eastern, let's say, type of country. The Rock was alive, you, you know, thousands okay. of years ago in the BC era. Okay. And, you know, some things go down. Evil King, yo, we going to have the true champion of conduct. He's going to, you know, defeat the evil king. Okay. And then he's, he's gone for thousands of years. Some people, they're trying to find the evil king's crown from long ago. And then guess who they wake up? Black Adam. Black Adam. All right. And he ain't playing around. That first scene of The Rock just killing everybody, because <laughs> this, this is one of the things about Black Adam. Hey, he ain't afraid to kill people. Okay. You know, you got me. Well, he's living up to his name. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that, first, that was worth the price of admission alone, because you've got The Rock where he's putting, I'll just say, I'm not trying to spoil the movie too much, Yeah. but this is just, this is just this is seal the deal for you right here. Guy throws the grenade at him. The Rock catches the grenade. Yo, I got something for you. Hold that. Puts it back in the dude's mouth. Kabam! <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> what more do you want from a movie? Why do you Why do you have to make all these sound effects while you're doing it? Because I gotta let you know. I mean, man, <laughs> Hawkman. You know, so then you gotta call in the guys. Yo, who gonna stop this Black Adam dude? He back. You got Amanda Waller, Viola Davis. You know, she's the. Oh yeah. So she's like the person. Was she Wakanda just, forever? No, uh, that was the Woman King. Oh, Woman King. That's I've been told I need to go see that too. Yeah, but in the DC universe, she's kind of like there. <laughs> he, just, he just dismissed that one. Yeah, well, I mean, that ain't the movie we're talking about. <laughs> Viola, she don't miss either. But we talking about her as Amanda Waller. So she puts in the call to Hawkman, played by Aldous Hodge. Um, you know, and that's another good brother. This brother can act. And she puts in the call to Hawkman. It's like, yo, okay. man, go do something about Black Adam. Put a team together. All right, so he says, I'm going to get Dr. Fate. He's more of a Doctor Strange type of a character mm-hmm. with mystic powers. More, He's a more of a magical type of a being. And then he grabs two kids, and it was just, uh, hey, when you Black Adam, if he's supposed to be this big of a superhero, maybe leave the teenagers at home. This was a big assignment for them, and they probably shouldn't have been called up on such a big mission. And Hawkman, I got to say this. The Rock... I know it's in his contract that this dude ain't never losing a fight, mm-hmm. but he was giving Hawkman the blues every time. And you want to root for him because Hawkman is the consciousness of the movie. You're like, yo, my brother, we can't be killing people out here. Right. So I'm a, yo, so I'm gonna fight you instead. And every time Black Adam was like, all right, man, if you want to do this, <laughs> if you want to catch this beatdown of yo, we we gotta keep doing this. So the movie, it was great. The only bad part of it, I'm gonna rate it an 8.5 out of 10. Okay. The only part that I didn't like. I don't get kids out of movies. I don't want to see a the child. The kids at the theater? No, or no, kids no. Kids in the, the theater. Kids in the in movie. The movie. Okay. Because you have the kid, he's trying to teach The Rock. You know, he's been buried for, you know, 2,000 years or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm going to teach you, you know, what the world's like now. And he just, you, yo, man, all the problems in the movie, if you would have just stayed at home and listened to your mama, <laughs> you know, maybe The Rock wouldn't have to come save you. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so just that part. He's like skateboarding through the city and stuff. And it's just enough, yo, get this 12 year old out of here. Give me the fights between 
The Rock and the Justice Society of America. That was the name of Hawkman's group there. So just give me those fights. Even like the big bad guy of saving this fictional country. Yeah. Of hey, we got we're gonna get the evil crowns, the evil king's crown from thousands of years ago. I don't need all that either. Okay. Just give me the fights between The Rock and other superheroes because that's what Black Adam's supposed to do. And then at the end of the stinger, this is how much juice The Rock got. The Rock says, "Hey man, I don't want to spoil it, but somebody who used to be a big superhero." The Rock got him back. I mean, the actor plays one of those super big superheroes that people are like, oh, man, when's he going to be in a movie again? Christopher Reeve? Uh, No, I think he's passed away, actually. Oh, my bad. <laughs> but uh, you're getting close. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got the end credit scene. It's just like, yo, man, who's going to stop Black Adam? Yeah. And somebody just says, yo, Black Adam, me and you, we need to talk. Oh, really? Yeah. Are we talking about Superman? Are we? I'm asking you. You've seen it. I haven't. Are we talking about Superman? Yes, we're talking about I've Superman. I've been to Superman's house. Is that the one we're talking about? I've been to Superman's house. Who are you talking about? You talking about Dean Cain? Yes. <laughs> no, we're not talking about Dean Cain. Well, you, I said Superman. We're talking about Henry Cavill. It was one of those, is he going to still play Superman? He's been yeah. Superman recently. Oh, okay. But The Rock just said, yo, make the call. But The Rock, he's not under contract. Uh, the Rock said, make the call. Okay. All right. So I was on to something. I was picking up what you were laying down. But in the comic book, Supervert, like the the verse of these comics and everything, mm-hmm. he should really be fighting Shazam first. But we're not going to get into that because- Shaq? Rock, no, man. Shazam's another superhero. Shaq was Shazam. <laughs> Wasn't Shaq Shazam? Yeah, yeah, you know what, Q? I'm asking. Wasn't Shaq Shazam? Isn't that in his uh, IBGN or IBGO or- <laughs> IMDB. OBGYN yeah, or whatever it is. IM, yeah, um- <laughs> But anyway, go see Black Adam. <laughs> the Rock don't miss. A lot of action. Forget all that story. I just want to see, as um, Big E from the, big, from the WWE said, big meaty men bumping meat. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Give me the fights. All right. Well, there you go. There's DeMond's review of Black Adam. Apparently, it's a movie that you need to go see. My man Fabian said, Jan and I just saw Black Adam. Thumbs up. So there you go. You got someone backing you up on that. I'm okay with that. Again, I don't go see enough movies. I need to take the wife out to the movie more often. Uh, So I like to get my reviews from DeMond, who sees every movie. Fargo Raider said, Q and DeMond, Fargo Raider here. Wasn't he the Scorpion King? So did they revive the Scorpion King again? Just win, baby. That's from Fargo. Nah, they ain't doing all that. Uh, look, I don't know. Fargo, I have no clue. But thanks for everyone tuning into the show today. We appreciate you. Raiders Roundtable, the audio edition, is coming up next. And then, of course, the morning tailgate in the morning at 7 a.m. with Clay Baker, Vinny Bonsignor, and Heidi Fang here on Raider Nation Radio 920.